This is Jones Financial Talk with Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Nick provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Jones Financial Talk with your host, Nick Jones. Well, hello and welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. This is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Listeners, if you'd like more information about what you hear on our show, please don't hesitate to give us a call at 541-773-9567 or visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com. And lots of our listeners like to look at our previous shows. You can do that in a couple of ways, right on our radio page there, or subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, listeners, for many of the folks that I'm lucky enough to work with, Social Security is a very crucial part of their overall retirement strategy. And they aren't alone. According to the AARP, Social Security pays out almost $100 billion a month to around 65 million retirees. And a study in 2020 referenced by the AARP indicated that a whopping 90% of U.S. adults support the program. Now, in this day and age, there aren't many things that 90% of the people can get behind, but Social Security is definitely one of those. And of course, when you have so many people relying on something like Social Security, it's only natural to have lots of rumors and myths around that topic. And so during this episode, we're going to address some of those most common Social Security myths that clients ask me about um, to try to sum that up for you. But before we do, let me bring in my co-host, Mr. Tony Shore, to help us uh, talk about this topic more today. All right. Great to be here, Nick. Uh, I'm excited for the show, seriously, because I get questions about Social Security. And, I, and you know, I'm not even a financial services professional like yourself. A lot of people out there have those questions. And I'm glad you brought this topic up. I know you've been having a lot of uh, clients and people who you meet with ask about this and some of our listeners. So, uh, good one. There are a lot of misconceptions out there uh, about Social Security, but um, and I think it's only natural for people to wonder things like, is Social Security going to be there for me when I retire? Or are my benefits going to shrink? Or will there be an annual cost of living adjustment? So uh, I think the more you need something, the more you worry about it. So uh, you know what? Uh, let's get into it. But first, actually, <laughs> I want to ask you how you've been. What's going on over there? You're busy. I mean, you got tax season. This is the time when people have a lot of questions. The market's been crazy. It sure has. Yep. This is uh, this is all the more reason why um, you should be sitting down with your financial advisor on a regular basis, right? I mean, those, those uh, in-person meetings or Zoom or phone call meetings uh, regularly throughout the year are important because you never know what's going to happen. This time of year, like you said, Tony, yep, it's uh, tax planning season. And, and then on top of that, who could have guessed that the market would have uh, declined as quickly as it has? And so yeah. we are meeting with lots of clients and helping address those concerns. Um, sure. And one of those, you know, that we do talk about often is Social Security. And interestingly enough, you know, Social Security has had some serious changes uh, in the yeah. last couple of years. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be able to share that, uh, share that education with our listeners today. Yeah. So let's get to it. What's uh, what's the first Social Security myth you have for us today? 
Well, the first is, is what I hear most often, right? And that is that social security is going broke. And here's the fact on this one, Tony, because social security is actually a pay as you go system, as long as American workers and their employers are paying payroll taxes, the program won't run out of money. Right. Yeah. That's, that's obvious. And, but why do you think then this myth refuses to die? And, and that's because while Social Security isn't going broke, it does obviously face challenges. Okay. And so um, the program, for instance, took in more than it paid out for several decades. And that led to a nearly $3 trillion surplus by the end of 2020. However, as it currently stands, the program is beginning to pay out more than it's taking in. And this is happening because the population of our retirees is living longer and growing faster than the working population, the baby boomers, right? And so without any changes to the program, that nearly $3 trillion surplus is expected to run dry by about 2034. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, but they usually do things uh, to fix that. Uh, uh, To be honest with you, though, it does still seem pretty alarming. It, it, it does, you know, but and it's very understandable to, to think that. But the program won't go broke even once that surplus is gone. And that's a very important point that, that a lot of people don't understand. And so um, Social Security would still bring in enough money at that point in 2034 to pay out about 80 percent of the benefits that it does today. And so Congress would need to figure out a way to make up the, you know, that missing 20 percent um, as a result of that shortfall. And yeah. Tony, you know, let me interject my opinion here for a minute. Uh, given how important Social Security is to so many people, I mean, and with 90% support um, of the population, like we discussed earlier, uh, definitely Congress is going to do, is not going to let that, you know, let the program grow, bo- grow broke, I should say, I'm sorry. And um, they definitely are going to have to do something um, with the program soon. Yeah, and they will. I, I think that's a fair point because. Uh, I think most members of Congress want to get reelected and uh, social security has always been what they call the third rail of politics. In other words, <laughs> you don't touch it. That's right. Touch it and you die. So uh, I think they will, um, they will uh, really um, shore up, so to speak, social security and keep it solvent. You know what I mean? Shore up for Mr. Tony Shore. Yeah, That's exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, Tony, you know, moving forward, so the next common myth is that Social Security's age is 65. Okay, and the reality is that full retirement age um, is, is a number that is not exactly 65 for, for most people today. Uh, it could be 66 in two months. Uh, it could be 66 in four months. It actually goes all the way all the way up to age 67 in two-month increments for those that were born in 1960 and later. And the age 65 myth has lived on because when Social Security started in 1935, 65 was the eligible age, okay? And decades later, that minimum eligibility age dropped to age 62, which we still have today, uh, at which point you could take a reduced benefit uh, but 65 remained the full retirement age for many years. And then in 1983, when the full retirement age went up in order to reduce the program's costs, um, that's exactly why it happened. Okay. And so two, 2002 was the last year in which people who turned 65 could receive their full benefit. Since then, it's later in life. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so people do get confused. I think originally, like you say, it was 65 
Plus, that's still the Medicare year, so a lot of people think that's uh, the year that they should start taking Social Security, but it varies for people. The earliest would be 62, but that's a greatly reduced benefit, as you've talked about before. Uh, and I didn't know the full history behind the changes to the full retirement age, so thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and, and you know, Tony, as we've lived longer and had healthier lives, the full retirement age just has had to go up, right? And so- right. Um, you know, to, to make sure that the program's going to last. And the next myth that I've heard a lot, though, during my career is that the annual cost of living adjustment, or COLA, is automatic. And, you know, by law, benefits must be adjusted annually to keep up with inflation. But that doesn't necessarily mean that a yearly COLA jump is going to occur. Okay. And so, COLA, uh, or cost of living adjustment, is linked to the federal index of prices for certain consumer goods and services, which is uh, which is called CPI, okay, and specifically CPI-W, okay? And so social security benefits are adjusted yearly according to the changes in that index um, from the third quarter uh, of one year to the third quarter of the next, okay? And so, for example, in 2021, that index, the CPI index, showed a 5.9% jump in prices, and so that's why our benefits are 5.9% higher this year. Wow. Okay. So uh, that's good uh, that there was a cost of living adjustment, and it's the biggest I've heard since the 80s. Um, exactly. But, uh, but we had a few, we've had a few years lately there before this, there had been very little, if any, increase. In fact, we had three years, you know, I think we had three years. You can clarify that. So basically what you're saying is no price jump, no jump in the COLA, right? Exactly. And so if that index does not show a measurable uh, price jump, then we don't get, um, then what that really means is we don't have a lot of inflation. And that means that your monthly social security check isn't going to get any bigger. And you are correct. There were three years recently where that current formula um, had that exact scenario that played out. It was 2010, 2011, and 2016. And so regardless of whether or not the formula calls for an increase in benefits, the process is automatic. Okay. So nobody can adjust it. Mm. Okay. So uh, that makes sense. And you're right. Yeah. We had those three years where there wasn't even any increase. That's good information to know. And we have to be aware of how COLA works. Uh, do you have anything else uh, for us before we take a quick break here? Well, sure, Tony. You know, as always, listeners, I just encourage you to visit our website. If you are interested in the topics we discuss on the show, you can do that at jonesfinancialtalk.com or feel free to give us a call. We're here uh, all the time, 541-773-9567. And we're here to help you discuss any uh, questions you might have about your retirement planning uh, or insurance planning. So please, please take us up on that offer. All right. That sounds great. And listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more of Jones Financial Talk and our host, Nick Jones, right after this. Wouldn't it be nice to have an owner's manual help you address and plan for retirement? The New World of Retirement by David Herstel Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions can help you plan for the retirement you've dreamt of and ease your financial concerns. The New World of Retirement will help you with the foundation you need for a successful retirement. Visit jonesfinancialtalk.com to request your complimentary copy today. That's jonesfinancialtalk.com. And welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. I'm your co-host, Tony Shore. And I'm here with the man with the plan. That's Nick 
Jones and Nick. That's not Nick Jonas. That's Nick Jones of the Jones Brothers. Um, and Nick, great show so far today. We're talking about all these social security myths that are floating around out there. Um, uh, you know, uh, one thing we could throw out is, uh, you know, Tony Shore likes pizza buffets. That is not a myth. That is true. <laughs> That's ex- And cola, which we've talked about today a little bit, too. <laughs> and I enjoy cola. When you said we're going to discuss colas today, I thought maybe, you know, uh, Pepsi versus Coke versus RC. But no, uh, that wasn't it. It's cost of living adjustments. But uh, the Social Security myths uh, are crazy. I mean, for a lot of retirees, Social Security is the foundation or a key component of their retirement strategy. So naturally, uh, people get anxious about the program and its future. Uh, what's the next Social Security myth you have for us? Sure. So a lot of people also talk to me about the fact that they think that members of Congress don't have to pay into Social Security. Okay, and that, that's been a very long and common complaint that members of Congress don't give Social Security the proper amount of attention because it doesn't cover them. Uh, but the truth is, since 1984, members of Congress, as well as other federal employees, have been a part of the program. Before that, so before 1984, members of Congress didn't pay into Social Security because they were part of the Civilian Service Retirement System. Okay, and so those who were in office before the beginning of 1984 could continue to utilize that that retirement system for themselves, um, but only in conjunction with Social Security. And anybody that was elected after 1984, January of 1984, are covered by Social Security and the pension plan um, is what replaced that old system. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's important uh, to understand. Uh, I, I thought that too. I'd heard that Congress doesn't have to pay in, et cetera. I'm glad you cleared that one up. It, it's certainly something that I've heard many times. Yeah. And so that basically means to us that they should care about the system because yeah. they're part of it as well. Yeah, right? Exactly. <clears throat> um, about time. <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. Now, Tony, you know, uh, the next common myth that I hear a lot about is that the government will dip into social security to fund other government programs. Now, let me clarify. There are actually two trust funds that pay out Social Security. One is for retirees and their survivors, and the other is for people with disabilities. Okay, and these are not part of the government's general fund. However, the government can and does borrow from Social Security. So Social Security's tax revenue is invested in special U.S. Treasury securities, And like with any other Treasury Department bonds, the government can spend the money on numerous programs. So, but like with any bondholder, the Treasury has to pay the money back with interest. And so Social Security redeems the securities to meet its responsibilities along the way. And so what that means is that the borrowing powers that that rumor Um, you know, that the government is snatching money from Social Security and leaving a pile of IOUs behind um, is is concerning. But in reality, the government has always repaid that money in full plus interest. Well, yeah, and that's that's the thing. So uh, obviously uh, that is something I've heard a lot. You you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want them to dip in for everything. And I've heard that they do that. And I just assume the government does that. They rob Peter to pay Paul for things all the time. But uh, thanks for clearing that up. And I know people, uh, you know, also I know people who essentially view Social Security as their own personal retirement savings account. 
Uh, but where does that fall in myth versus reality, Nick? Right, right. So the government doesn't hold your payroll tax contributions in a personal account, you know, that's eventually paid out to you with interest after you retire. So your social security benefit is determined by the amount of money that you earned during your career, not on how much you kick into the system. Okay. And again, your contributions cover benefits for current retirees. And when you retire, those still working will help cover your benefits. Okay. So rather than thinking that social security is a retirement account, like a 401k or an IRA, it's better to think of it as an earned benefit that the government will pay you so that you have some level of income during your golden years. Well, so what you said, some level of income there, what do you mean? What are you talking about? How much are we looking at? Right. So, Tony, for most people, Social Security was not designed to replace the entire amount of money that they made while they were working. Okay. So, for most people, Social Security will provide roughly 40% of pre retirement earnings. Well, and Nick, I wanted to also ask you this a, a rumor I've heard a lot, and I used to think this uh, you don't have to pay taxes on your Social Security benefit. Uh, tell us, is that one myth or reality? So unfortunately, Tony, and a lot of people are shocked to hear this, that one is actually a myth, okay, or at least after 1984. And so that year, Congress passed a Social Security overhaul that, among other things, uh, did dictate that a portion of your Social Security benefits are going to be taxed, okay? And the amount that you pay depends on your income level. And so if, um, if your income is between $25,000 and $34,000 as an individual filer, you, you could be subject to paying as much as 50% of your benefit, okay, um, of that income as a tax, okay? And so it could be adjusted for that. Um, now, that changes if you're a joint filer and is between the ranges of $32,000 and $44,000, uh, just as an FYI. Okay. So, yeah, and that's that's the thing I think people don't get is, yes, you do have to pay taxes and well, you at least they can tax you up to 85 percent of your Social Security benefit. Uh, that's and that's not a good thing. And I don't think a lot of people realize they can do that or have done that. Uh, what about state taxes? Can states tax Social Security? So they definitely can. Uh, thankfully, here in the state of Oregon, they do not do that. And in most of the West Coast states, they don't either. There's uh, currently about 12 states that do tax your Social Security benefit. Uh, those are states like Colorado, Connecticut, Kansas, Minnesota, uh, Montana, Nebraska, Rhode Island, Utah, just to name a few. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, considering everything you've told us so far today, it inspires me to note that your social security strategy is a good reason to work closely with somebody like yourself, a financial services professional. And I know that you have a social security maximization report uh, that we're going to talk about in a bit uh, before our next break. But first, is there another myth you want to share with us? Sure, sure. So another commonly held myth, Tony, is that your ex-spouse's benefits come out of your own. And the fact is that if you're divorced, your former spouse may be eligible to receive Social Security based on your earning history. Now, similar to benefits for a current spouse, these can be as much as 50% okay, of the benefit amount that you're going to receive monthly once you reach your full retirement age. But here's the really important part. Benefits for your current or ex-spouse do not shrink your own benefit. They're separate payments and they don't affect the size of your own monthly check. 
Well, and that's that's something, you know, when you hear about, oh, you can collect off an ex-spouse's Social Security, et cetera, uh, it's good to note that they, they don't get their benefit reduced because of it. They still get their same amount. Uh, that's right. But, but you, even if you're collecting on it, no matter what, you'll get the benefits you're entitled to and they will as well, right? It, exactly, exactly. And another myth that um, I bet many of our listeners today have heard of is that you'll permanently lose benefits if you choose to keep working. Okay, and so Social Security does have an earnings limit rule that may temporarily slash the benefits of folks who are still working. However, the rule does not impact all working beneficiaries, and it's also temporary. Okay, so the the rule covers those who choose to take benefits before their full retirement age and continue to work. Okay, Okay. and in this scenario, Social Security will withhold a portion of the benefits if earnings from a job rise above that set annual cap. Now, that cap changes yearly and differs depending on how you how close you are to your full retirement age. But the cap is around nineteen thousand dollars in earnings um, today. During our first two segments today, you were debunking several commonly held Social Security myths. And I know some of them really surprised me, and I'm sure they surprised our listeners as well. Uh, What do you have for us in our final segment today? Yeah, I thought thought, Tony, it would be nice for us to spend a little bit of time and look at some of the things that Social Security provides that our listeners might not be aware of. Okay. Okay? And and the first of which is uh, expedited disability claims. So last year in 2021, the average time for processing uh, a social security disability claim was more than five months. Wow. And, you know, that's a long time, right? And yeah. You, and you should that's know crazy. that, that, that j- that's just for the initial application. It can take several more months or, or perhaps even years to appeal a claim if it's denied. Now, thankfully, the Compassionate Allowances Program lists more than 250 serious medical conditions that meet the standard for disability. Okay, and so applications for Social Security disability insurance or supplemental security uh, income that in, that uh, include one of those conditions from the list can be approved in just a few days. Mm, wow. Okay. Well, that's good to know and uh, good to hear. I mean, a wait of uh, many months could be devastating for somebody with a serious illness. So the, that those compassionate allowances, that, that program sounds like a dose of good news. It, it is. It is for sure. And re- representative payee services are also available for beneficiaries who may not be able to handle their own payments. Okay. And, and these uh, payees often work with young children, for instance, um, or people that have cognitive disorders or developmental disabilities. And these representatives um, um, that are appointed by the Social Security Administration um, have the authority to receive another person's benefits and use them to handle that person's needs for things like food, shelter, health care, and also normal daily essentials. Generally, that representative is a family member or friend, though in certain circumstances, organizations like nursing homes uh, may also be appointed to, to handle that role. And so, Social Security takes the steps to hold payees accountable for how much money is being spent and using that money for personal expenses um, is obviously strictly prohibited. Yeah, obviously. And, you know, the price of prescription drugs has been in the news a lot lately, Nick. Does Social Security provide any relief on that front? It it actually does. So it's got a program that's called Extra Help. 
and um, it's operated by Social Security and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And it, it, it obviously is intact in to try to be able to help reduce prescription drug costs for low-income Medicare recipients by as much as $5,000 a year. And, and that money can be used for premiums, deductibles, uh, co-pays, uh, anything associated with that Medicare drug plan. Okay, and the program is available to those enrolled in Medicare Part A or Part B uh, who have income of no more than around $20,000 this year for an individual or $27,000 for married couples who live together. Now, you should also note that there are very strict limits on financial assets like savings, investments, and property other than your primary residence that come into factors here. Uh, obviously, I think it's important to, to understand these things. If you're in that situation, I, I guess that would be another question you get from people who might be considering that. Again, another sounds like a great reason to work with a financial services professional like yourself. Definitely. Uh, for sure, that is the case. Uh, there's so many little intricacies about yeah. about the system. And, you know, an another quick one that I wanted to mention was um, benefits for grandchildren. OK, and so almost three million children today in the United States are being raised by the, by a grandparent or grandparents. And many of those kids may be eligible for some kind of Social Security benefit. Because in, in many cases, um, if you're providing at least half of your grandchild's financial support and their natural parents are either deceased or disabled or unable to help provide any support, the child can collect dependent or survivor benefits when you retire, become disabled or die. Okay, and so if you're already claiming Social Security when you begin caring for a grandchild, you're required to legally adopt the child in order to help them receive those full benefits. Right. And I think social security benefits um, for a grandchild they're raising is something that could provide retirees with some real comfort. It sure is. And, and if any of our listeners are about to welcome a baby into the world, they should also be aware that they can apply for their baby social security number before they leave the hospital. And this is very important because the sooner the better because you'll need their number to be able to claim them as a dependent on your next tax return and also to get them covered by your medical insurance. Sure. Well, you know what? We're out of time. It just flew by. But one more time before we go, let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you and get that Social Security Maximization Report. For sure. As always, listeners, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can do that by phone at 541 773-9567 or visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com. All right, and that does it for today's episode of Jones Financial Talk with our host, Nick Jones. Thank you for listening to Jones Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Nick Jones at Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Call 541 773 9567 or visit their website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, a registered investment advisor in the state of Oregon. Insurance products and services are offered through Jones & Associates Premier Insurance Solutions. Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions and Jones & Associates Premier Insurance Solutions are affiliated companies. Nick Jones, Herstel Jones, and Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented 
presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.